2: I'm a familiar voice to you because what I am is a professional podcaster. You probably weren't expecting this show, but I've decided to put it on the feed because it plays into some of the themes that if you listen to me on whether it's Dum-de-Dum or Mid-Atlantic or even How Jamaica Conquered the World, I talk about a lot. It's my love of being English, but also my Jamaican heritage and how that is important In viewing a sense of identity, David and I recorded this show some months ago, way before the Windrush scandal made its way into the popular consciousness of the average Brit. So it's timely that this week we spoke about Scar in a very light-hearted and fun way. An incredibly important marker in the way that England saw itself in the late 70s and 80s. It's not an overly academic conversation. As I said before, it is fun, but I think it's important. And I think also that not only is it timely, as I said before, but also if you like the show, why don't go on to a podcaster of your choice and go and subscribe to The Things That Made England because I can see this show becoming a real passion and love of mine because, yes, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool lefty, but in no way, shape or form am I some kind of nationalist that believes that everything that comes out of England is superior to anywhere else. People of all skin colours, all political hues, we should be able to celebrate the culture of the country that we're born into and this is what this series means to me. So take a listen and if you enjoy it why don't you subscribe to The Things That Made England. It was the best of time. It was the worst of time. She was the people's princess. little fight on the beaches.
1: Away, oh, man. These are the things that made England. little fight
2: on the landing ground.
1: These are the things that made I England. a body, but of a weak and feeble woman.
2: These are the things that made England. And the
1: King of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England! England. And St. George! These are the things that made England.
2: Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Things That Made England. I'm Roy Phil Brown and with me I have... David Crowther of The History of England. Mm. Right, Mr Crowther. What do you mean? Mm. Well, I think right that you started off quite well on our first episode with 1066. A bit obvious, but it needed to go in the old cabinet, didn't it? Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But there's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do SCAR. Um, Sorry, can you spell that? SCAR, S-K-A, <laughs> SCAR. Not hey. that bloke from The Lion King.
3: Okay, um, not that one. Okay, no, not ahead. him,
2: not him. That kind of first uh, signal of multicultural England in popular culture. You know, it right. gives skinheads, um, a certain way of dressing for mods, um, white working class men love to dance to it and still do. And it was metropolitan, David. It was awesome. It came from Coventry, came from Birmingham, came from London, you know, via Jamaica. And the two-tone movement promoted racial unity at a time when racial tensions were high in the UK in the late 70s, you know, all those riots and stuff. And it was all about people getting together. So I think that Scar needs to go in because it's not just about music. What do you reckon?
3: So you're seriously you're 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 coming here. Yes. With, with, last time we the talked about yes sixty six and you're telling me that that a musical style I can't even spell and think is a bloke from the Lion, Lion King should go into the <laughs> alongside William the Conqueror. That's what you're saying to me. You know, just just to make sure I'm clear.
2: Well, I think we're, we're kind of going to get to the heart of how we view England doing this series, aren't we? There is the stuff from the Ladybird history books. Uh huh you know, old kings and old dusty um, writers of great literature and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Boring stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, we know it's important and it's drilled into us at school. And then there are the things, the visceral things, that make England modern england different from let's say france make it different from america which are quintessentially english but you have to be english to know about it you haven't read about it in books and i think maybe that's where i'm going to come at this with this series
3: go on then tell me all about scar Royfield. right so
2: what is scar now I think we need to take a step back and really there's a whole wider reason why SCAR is so important because racial diversity is one of the facets that separates England from the rest of the parts of the United Kingdom. Now, while the UK's white population totals just over 55 million or 87%, and that's according to the 2011 census, just under 13% or over 7.5 million are non-white. Now, the reason why that's particularly Important is that over 90% of all British ethnic minorities actually live in England. So you can forget Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland for this. Majority of them live in England and are found in its major cities, whether it's Birmingham, my hometown, London, Leicester, Luton, Manchester, Wolverhampton. You know the drill. And it's the arrival of the first mass wave of non-white immigrants in 1948 on the Empire Windrush that really started, I would say, modern England. Before that, you got George Formby. George Formby films, you've got Queen Victoria, you've got all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden, after the Second World War, we have black and brown Britons. And I think that's really where modern England started. It's a country which is comfortable enough to say that its favourite food is curry, and where Mm -hmm. Jafaken can can displace Cockney as the dialect of the capital's kids. So Mm -hmm. this episode is broadly about that, really, viewed through the prism of one aspect of English culture, scar. With me so far?
3: I'm with you. I am with you, Raphael. I feel I take the point. I'm amazed about your figures, actually, I must admit. <clears throat> so I'm busy looking up uh, the uh, the racial makeup of Wales, for example.
2: The racial makeup of the UK in terms of the, the ethnic the ethnic diversity really can be boiled down to a few major cities. So Birmingham is going to be... Birmingham could be majority minority now, we don't know. By the time of the 2021 census, we will know. But basically that means that white folks are in the minority. Ditto Leicester. So Birmingham and Leicester are vying for the accolade of being the first major UK cities where white indigenous people are in the minority. When you actually realise it that the, you know, the majority of non-white people in the UK live in Birmingham, London. I think in London it's something like 30%. Right. Leicester, Luton, uh, like, like places like Bradford, and then Leeds. When you strip those out, England is actually extremely, extremely white. So it's metropolitan. And that goes to the heart of the reason why ska is so important. So ska is this music genre that originated in Jamaica in the late 1950s. It combines elements of Caribbean mento, and rhythm and blues, and it's a Jamaican take on rhythm and blues. Really,
3: I'm gonna have to start with that at that moment, Roy Field. Mm. Caribbean mento.
2: Well, it's a if you think of like Harry Belafonte, Oh Island in the Sun, very singy songy, um, you know, somewhat light, very musical. That's right. kind of mento. So, Island in the Sun is a perfect example of that. By the end of the late 1950s. With the advent of rock and roll, people in Jamaica start to have their own take on it. At first, they did exact copies of those songs, but then they accented the offbeat. So they're skank, 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 which is exactly where the Uh, the term uh, ska comes from. It's the offbeat uh, of the guitar. So ska then... Comes over to England in the nineteen early nineteen sixties with records by people like Prince Buster or Clement Cogston Dodd, and it came comes over to England on the backs of Jamaican immigrants, and these moved to the big cities of the UK, as we said, Birmingham, London, and and let's say Leicester. Now Scarf scores its first big hit in nineteen sixty four with Millie Small's My Boy Lollipop. To the average person, this is just a song, a cute song, sang by, I think she was a teenager at the time, She's very young, Millie Small, and it's kind of bubblegum pop, but it's a scar record. Mm-hmm. And if you are, or if you were, a newly arrived Jamaican or West Indian immigrant, that song was was absolutely groundbreaking, because it said that our culture, their culture, was also valid and it was part of wider English culture.
1: Mm.
2: But what Scar then goes on to do... Now, first off, that record actually sells a a boatload of records, David. 600,000 is what it sells in the United Kingdom. Gets a number two in the US billboard, Hot 100. Right. But what those Jamaican immigrants actually did... Was they set a certain style for white working class kids, so they wore Dr. Martin boots, tight trousers, crombies, and that became that became aped by white working class kids in those cities, and they became skinheads, all these Jamaican immigrants because they couldn't afford to dress really well, so they had this really cheap but stylish way of dressing, which white working class kids then started to ape. Mm. Then they started to listen to their music. So you had by the late 70s, the first wave of British skinheads, which are not the skinheads that we know now, popular culture. They were absolutely into reggae, ska and Jamaican culture. Right. And, and it's kind of one of these kind of weird kind of perversions that actually now we see Skinners as being incredibly racist, where actually yeah. they embraced West Indian culture. Anyway,
3: that is a weird change. Yes, no, I mean I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have remembered them in that way.
2: Many people don't, but it's really really interesting. When you look back at the old documentaries, there's always these white skinheads with with, with black skinheads. They dressed the same. You look at in the 60s, they dressed the same and they were all listening to Jamaican music.
3: It all went wrong in the 70s, is what we're saying.
2: It all went wrong in the late 70s. But one thing that did go right in the late 70s was two-tone. And that's the second wave of ska. So you have this first wave of ska, which is all Jamaican music. Right. By the late 70s, You've got um, kind of the, the energy of punk fused with Scar again. So by the late 70s, you've got the specials, you've got madness, you've got bad manners doing this stuff. And these groups are, if they're not multiracial, they're white, white singers, so Madness was an all-white group. Bad Manners was multiracial. The selector would be would have been multiracial. This stuff this stuff is faster. A lot of it is copies of Jamaican scar from the sixties, but done with a very British sensibility. It was a total phenomena for about three years. You had white working class kids pogoing around. It's incredibly easy to dance to. It just sounds like an instant party as soon as you put it on the turntable. And all the West Indians, people like my father, were incredibly proud. And they said, we truly have arrived because those white folks have got their own take on our music. And and for me, this really, the story and the importance of SCAR is that because it does what the English do best, whether it's tea or fried fish in batter, Two things which are taken from other cultures, tea from India, fry fishing battles, Jewish, but they make it their own. And that's what they do with Scar.
3: That's a very positive way of putting it. So, we, you know, we nick other
2: people's cultures,
3: essentially, is what you're saying.
2: Well, the, the posh way, say we appropriate. But yes, whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we we're we're do it with cricket players as well. 2 tone is the only thing I remember, essentially. Uh, my, my boy Lollipop, of course, I remember. Everybody knows that. Uh, but Two-Tone, I think, is the only thing I recognised when we started talking about this.
2: You know the, the Vitalite advert? Get up in the morning, oh, yeah, same thing for a breath. That's Scar, but it, but it's slower. Right. And, and and the his, the history of Jamaican Scar is that Scar comes first, and then it slows down and becomes a thing called Rocksteady, which I absolutely adore Rocksteady.
3: What is Rocksteady?
2: Rocksteady is this not-so-accented Jamaican music so Dawn Penn's No 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 um, is a, a classic rock steady song. And it's this period of Jamaican music from about 1965 to 68. It's very, very short, but the scar slows down. And it's before right. you get to real reggae. So around about sixty eight, sixty nine, then reggae hits, which is slower again on the accent on bass. Cause you think about ska for a Jamaican music, it's not bass accented, it's completely on the offbeat with the rhythm. And and the connection between ska and reggae is that eh 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 on on the offbeat. But the scar right. it's eh 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 but reggae's eh 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 it just slows down. So as you were, David, what were you saying? Very good. OK, so uh, you, you agree with me. It's in the cabinet. Show done.
3: Uh, far be it from me to let something go in the cabinet that easily. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. You know, I'm not saying I'm against the idea, but I just had a few thoughts. Actually, I chatted about my with my, my wife, actually, and I said to her, right. Are we going to have this conversation. He said, mm, mm, really? And so, I, you know, what, what's that all about? And I said, well, you know, that's the thing that the thing I remember about Scar. I remember the two things about Scar, three things about Scar. I remember the specials. Yep. I remember Madness and yep. Suggsy. And I remember fa- finally having found a music that I could dance to. Because that, there that, was a the format your raising your left leg and your right arm at the same time. <laughs> turning your head one way and then raising your left arm and your right leg and turning your, your head the other way away from your arm. And I could do
2: that. For the well, first
3: time, right? I could dance.
2: It's one of the reasons why I say it needs to go into... Uh, the cabinet because
3: I will give you that much that as you say for the first time I could dance but Jane said to me Mm. she said well actually but you never saw women do that was a boy thing wasn't it you know you all got together you went in a corner and you did the dance thing and the girls went and did something else something interesting (laughs) (laughs) I have to say she's got a point hasn't she so all the time I thought I could dance Royfield. well I could dance but I couldn't dance with anything else could I
2: there's Just almost me. a song title in that. You can dance with you <laughs> if you have to. But anyway, um, there, there's a, she's making a really good point. There's, she is making it good point. To be said, it has it, to be said, when you remember Scar, at least two-tone Scar, it's a white and black working-class movement. That's the way that you remember it. And mm. though there was Selector with Pauline Black as the lead singer, all of those bands were pretty male. I will give you that. The specials were all male, madness were all male. Yes, they were. They were. were. However, it's the cultural and social importance of of, of Scar, which is wider than, let's say, any perceived, I would say, um, issues to do with exclusion of women. What you had by the late 1970s is some 20 years of mass non-white immigration into the UK and attitudes in the media were changing, but only very slowly. Mm. Early 70s, you had Enoch Powell, uh, Rivers of Blood speech, saying that that the country's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Of
3: blood speech? Yeah. Yeah.
2: You've got um, things like Love Thy Neighbour. Oh, my crude, God, you remember crude, that? Yes, I do. Which my father, my father actually loved, loved Thy Neighbour. But look at it, looking at it now, crude racial stereotypes. Oh, that's frightening, isn't it? I
3: mean, we're talking about something else really now, aren't we? But that is, you know, everybody needs to watch that movie to see how that TV programme, see how things have changed. Because yes, at the time we thought it was all fine, wasn't it?
2: Absolutely. Extraordinary, yeah. So all the popular dis- depictions of non-white Britons of that time were negative and were stereotyped. And SCAR gave us something new. It actually told us what England was like on the ground, that actually these communities were learning to live together, to learn from each other, and were dancing together. That's the reason why SCAR is really important. It's the first time that English culture is seen as not being wholly white, but it's still inclusive.
3: Okay, so so I'm, I've got my, my three objections, as it were. So number one is, I take that point, well made. Number one is, it's really a boy thing. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but, you know, it's a boy thing. Second thing, I've got a quote for you. I actually went on the line and I found mm. a quote. Okay, are you ready for this? Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know who this quote from, actually. Maybe, maybe it's my grandmother. I, I kind of doubt it, I have to say. But anyway, it took all the anger out of music and replaced it with a silly pseudo-reggae stew. So the argument is that basically, you know, here we've we've got reggae, which is, you know, ha- has a real edge to it. And here, you know, we've got this nice, melodic, twangy type of music, which, you know, is all about, you know, well, my, my boy Lollipop, baggy trousers. The specials, I always felt, were slightly different. They had a bit more of an edge to them, it always seemed to me. Mm. But the um, accusation, I suppose, is that it took all that energy and it kind of turned it into a... just a bit of fun
2: what's wrong with fun it's the end of the 1970s england has lost its place in the world as uh, you know we don't have an empire anymore there's no british empire anymore we have we've had a three-day week in the early 1970s our economy has shrunk compared to every other major economy in europe what was wrong with us having a little bit of fun before we entered the dark years of thatcher
3: right Okay, well, there's a there's a future episode for you. Okay, so you're saying it doesn't matter. You know, um, uh, there needed to be a bit of a bit of a fun side. I
2: think I think there's a lot of inverted snobbery in that statement. I think to you're say right. to say that any kind of creative art form has got to be about deep, dark, meaningful things. Anything which is sunny and upbeat and fun. Is not of the same intellectual heft. I just think it's just snobbery.
3: Okay, I'm going to give you one more. Okay, uh, it was very local thing, wasn't it? Well, that's the impression I was got that Scar was, uh, you know, it wasn't a US thing, it wasn't a, a global thing, it wasn't like the Beatles or whatever. This was well, you're
2: kind of wrong, right? Okay. Kind um, of. If you if you go and Wikipedia Scar, there's ah. three there's three waves of Scar. Right. right. So there is it comes out of Jamaica in the in the 60s. By the late 60s, scar is done. It it, it disappears. It then reappears in England, in yeah. Coventry, Birmingham, in London. Three English cities that have large West Indian, large Jamaican populations, immigrant populations. So that's where the music gets reinterpreted by white working class youth with young black working class youth rediscovering their fathers records that's how it all comes about in the late 70s right. the third wave of ska actually goes all around the world so there's the third wave of ska movement in the US there's loads of ska bands and they're almost analogous to kind of punk bands kind of in a way in in the in the US so there's like there's west coast ska there is um, there are ska bands in in germany the third wave of ska is faster still than how we remember it in two-tone and kind of can be incredibly raucous, a bit kind of punky, but there are different takes on it. So actually, Scar has gone all around the world. And the third wave of Scar bands, Mm. which are not actually in the UK, actually do look back at that two-tone 70s era of being the progenitor of the third wave of Scar. So if you don't believe me, sorry, wiki it. It's all there.
3: I would I would of course absolutely uh, believe you. Uh so that, I think those are my objections, really. I those are the only question which I've swatted away easily. <laughs> well I think the
2: only thing <laughs>
3: I'm gonna end up with in, in summary is say, well look, you know, it's great. Okay, I um, you know, I get the um uh, I get the point about uh, the cultural impact of it i think the only question i'm saying is is it really you know is it such a big thing does it deserve to go into the cabinet you know it's boys it's not a boy thing girl thing it's
2: well it's 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 about more important than that david Hmm. it's about modern england becoming comfortable with the new reality on the ground and i've used scar and i said in my preamble that i'm using scar really as a pointer of a new modern England. Instead of me saying racial harmony, let's put that relative racial harmony, let's put that in the cabinet. You can't do that. But I've used scar, I've used this one kind of totem right. of culture, appropriation, mixing, heritage, whatever, whatever the word you want to say, to, to show that the England of the of the late 1970s was very different from the England, let's say, late 1950s, in how it saw itself through its popular musical culture.
3: Okay, so I had to say that coming from Leicester, Leicester being my hometown, the, 19, the late 1970s in Leicester saw the emergence of Shawaddy Wadi. <laughs> <So, laughs> <okay. laughs> it's about time that I... I have to leaven my criticism of uh, uh, or any denigration of Coventry and Birmingham in the light of that statement, do I not?
2: Well, I t- uh, listen, I'll let you into a secret, David. Um, oh, the, Wadi first, Wadi Wadi. the first band I ever saw live was Don't say, Wadi. It.
3: Don't say it, Rifle. Don't say it. They can um, actually uh, live down the road from me, funnily enough. Anyway, uh, that's another story. So, great. Um, one last question. Tell me about Buster Blood Vessel.
2: Um, to be honest with you, I don't know an awful lot about him other than he was overweight, had a bald head, used to stick his tongue out a lot. You know, (laughs) he always looked like he's about to have a heart attack.
3: Indeed, he's not going to say he's had too much fish and chips. All right, so look, the, the trouble we're going to have with this programme all the way through is that I'm an absolute pushover, incapable of saying no. So so I find I find I am convinced by your arguments. Scar should go in the Cabinet, if nothing else, for no other reason than anything that comes from the Midland ought to have a free card into the Cabinet. That <laughs> no, is
2: not the right reason. That means that Shakespeare is going to squeeze in then, is he? Uncontested.
3: actually uh, the middle and loud, isn't he? Good point. Good point. Yeah, uh, yeah. But of course, it's not us that decide in the end, uh, Roy Field. We're going to put it up on Facebook, and we're going to let the uh, we're going to let the people vote. Because as we know from Brexit, oh, did I really mention Brexit? It's the people that decide. Planning for your next trip.
1: This is Fiona with a roundup of our Facebook page for this fortnight. I like erring on the side of caution, so I'm going to mention folk by first name only and, where necessary, last name initial. I do this to preserve a modicum of anonymity for you in case you nominate your great-aunt Gladys's rock cakes as the monster that broke England's back or if you happen to be on the wrong side of the great pizza debate. If you'd rather your full name or title used, do let Luke or I know, and we'll proceed accordingly. It's been a very busy fortnight, with an impressive number of you leaping in to add your ideas. We began with the poll. 10.66, do we add it to the Cabinet? An overwhelming yes. One undecided must have been the person with the Saxon mother and Norman father, and one lone no. No. At the end of the poll, David asked for some suggestions for future episodes, and the deluge arrived. Bill nominated The Spitfire and Liz Hurley, which gave me a moment's pause until I realised that he was describing a classic English beauty. I couldn't agree more, Bill. The Spitfire is the classic English beauty. Kathy said, I'm surprised nobody has mentioned The Shed. Steve's proposal of J.B. Priestley led to a very interesting read. Claire suggested the BBC and garden centres. I'm with you on garden centres, Claire. It's always the first activity on the list when I visit my daughter in Yorkshire. At the last count, there were 28 items on the list, but that won't keep David and Royfield busy enough, so I hope you'll add more. David began a rant on food by praising the worthy Bakewell tart and honouring the lardy cake. Catherine said, I draw the line at steak and kidney pudding and any type of English pea, mushy, canned, etc. And Rowena defended the mushy pea nobly with a how very dare you. And then the pizza debate began. I think it was Daniel who started it. And it didn't take long before it became a bun fight over suitable crusts. Until at last... Andrew gave us a pause by declaring liver and onions, food of the gods, followed swiftly by Steve V. countering of the underworld. Then Bianca, who I think must be an ex-prefect, came into the fray, offering reason. I'm sure I wasn't the only one who appreciated her touch. The thread, as Andy said, is a long one, but an excellent read. Just after Bill reminded us of Henry's speech at Agincourt as penned by Will Shakespeare, Royfield posted a fascinating map of the British Isles showing the United Kingdom by preferred source for chip shop chips. Try saying that three times fast. It's a very important map and we'd really like to hear your preferences and especially how they correspond with the part of England that you most associate with. So please go onto the Facebook page and make your voices heard. Cheers until next time and cry God for Harry, England, and I'll have gravy on my chips.
3: Right, great. Thank you,
2: Roy. I feel great. Very good. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. And uh, what are we going to do next week? Uh,
3: Next week, why don't we do accents? Ooh. All right, do that. I think this time I will pitch to you that the one of the things that makes England is the glory of the diversity of our accents.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley.